He who sings, prays twice. It's one of the most oft-quoted sayings in the church, attributed to one of the church's greatest saints, St. Augustine of Hippo. It's a wisdom that's been passed through centuries, inspiring beauty, prayer, tradition, and breathtaking liturgies the world over. And, according to Dr. Horst Buchholz, Director of Sacred Music for the Archdiocese of Detroit and organist at the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament, it's not exactly accurate. Uh, well, that quote is actually a, a misquote already, <laughs> and the uh, the uh, the original quote by uh, Saint Augustine was "Qui cantat bene orabis." So, who he who sings well prays twice. <laughs> so that I think uh, that the word uh, "well" is is always uh, dropped uh, from that. So I think it actually encourages us to do music well. Uh, to really uh, have beautiful music and have it well done. Don't get him wrong. Dr. Buckholz is not criticizing those who weren't born with the gift of music, nor is he discouraging those without a silver tongue from singing and participating at Mass. Quite the opposite. The beautiful cacophony of the entire church, out of tune and all, singing and praising God together is quite literally the definition of heaven. But how do we get there? How do we get to a place where even the most tone-deaf among us make beautiful music that pleases the ear of our Father? Well, a big part of that, paradoxically enough, is by promoting good sacred music, performed well. Why? Because music evangelizes. In other words, if we're not inspired, it's much harder to be engaged. So, does the music matter? Of course it does. Welcome to Detroit Stories, a podcast on a mission to boldly share the stories of the people and communities in Southeast Michigan. These are the stories that fascinate and inspire us. Find all episodes at DetroitCatholic.com or subscribe to Detroit Stories on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or Google Podcasts. This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by our friends at Alliance Catholic Credit Union. For over 60 years, Alliance Catholic Credit Union has provided Catholics in Michigan with trusted financial services inspired by Catholic values. When you join Alliance Catholic Credit Union, you become a member of a financial institution that supports Catholic education, Catholic charities, and Catholic parishes around the state. Visit AllianceCatholic.com and join online today. It's said that in polite company, one shouldn't discuss politics or religion. Well. In religious company, one might add another item, liturgical music. Everyone has an opinion on it. From staunch defenders of the pipe organ and Gregorian chant to those who prefer drums and guitars, nothing is sure to evoke a stronger response in casual conversation about the liturgy. But you know what? That's okay. Because it means people care. And that's way better than the alternative. We probably have to look a little bit at uh, the psychology of music, because uh, music is one of those things that speaks directly to our senses. And, and we can't shut it off when you can use earplugs, but you still hear something, right? I mean, if you see uh, some other piece of art that you find particularly ugly, you could just close your eyes, right? But music, you can't shut off. You can't close your ears. So music speaks to our senses, I think, in a different way than any other art. 
And that's why even the uh, documents of Vatican II, uh, um, when it talks about the arts, and it says, but music uh, as a, a foremost art, uh, so because it speaks so directly to us, um, really uh, fills us with yeah, emotion. Sounds a little bit too flat, right? Uh, uh, but it it really uh, uh, can elevate our soul, our mind, uh, um, in in very different ways. When uh, music can be. Uh, from very simple parameters, uh, loud, soft, slow, fast, right? Uh, I mean, and that would be the same for uh, any type of secular music. If you listen to uh, uh, rock music or, or blues, or if you listen to uh, a symphony uh, playing some very sad piece or, or something really uplifting. And so that translates into what people would summarize under music psychology the uh, the effects of music on this psyche and uh, that certainly is more applicable uh, in, in the liturgy when it comes to sacred music. Sociological research across Christian denominations has shown that people choose churches primarily based on two factors, the quality of the preaching and the quality of the music. That's not a crass commentary on the importance of the sacraments, Dr. Buckholz argues, Rather, when you think about it, it actually makes sense. I will never forget uh, when I had a discussion with uh, uh, some priests and theologians uh, at the seminary in Denver when I was teaching there. And we had this uh, wonderful discussion about music and, and, and liturgy. And, uh, well, people shouldn't go uh, um, to Mass uh, for the music. So, oh, no, no. They're not going to Mass for the music. They're going to Mass for the sacrament. But the sacrament is equally valid in the church with the good music and the church with the bad music. So where would you go? The same is true for preaching. I mean, if you have a wonderful uh, a preacher, well, people shouldn't go there to be entertained by uh, a father's sermon, right? But uh, um, the sacrament is equally valid uh, in the church with the good preacher and with the, let's say, not-so-good uh, preacher. <laughs> so what type of music attracts churchgoers? That's easy. All kinds. In a 2014 survey conducted by the Archdiocese of Detroit called Perceptions of the Faithful, responses from more than 41,000 Catholics in southeast Michigan revealed 40% of mass-goers prefer what they would describe as traditional music, while 27% prefer something more accurately described as contemporary. What exactly those terms mean, of course, is a matter of interpretation. But what's not up for interpretation is that you'd be hard-pressed to find a more diverse U.S. diocese than the Archdiocese of Detroit. On any given weekend, Mass is celebrated in more than a dozen languages here. Metro Detroit is home to one of the largest immigrant populations in the country, with Catholics from South and Central America, Africa, Eastern and Western Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. And each of those places brings a culture that enriches the church's patrimony. But while every culture is different, each shares something critically beautiful— the Catholic faith. The church has given us documents, uh, for instance, on the uh, inculturation. There's a beautiful document on that. And it, it says there still has to be some type of unity in the form uh, and in the faith, of course, without uniformity. So it's not that every church has to sing, sing the same uh, um, songs or something. So there can be diversity. We want that. That's not to say the church adopts an anything-goes mentality when it comes to sacred music. The Second Vatican Council's Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium, elevates the use of Gregorian chant 
the pipe organ, and the use of Latin as, quote, specially suited to the Roman liturgy and given pride of place in liturgical services. But the most important consideration, the council says, is that sacred music helps the faithful achieve the purpose of the Mass itself, lifting one's soul to God. You, you almost feel, when, it's almost like walking into a palace, for instance, and you see the king and queen there, and it kind of differentiates that the music that you would hear at that time would be something very, you know, uh, important that you are in the presence of royalty. This is Wasim Sarwe, director of music and organist at St. Cyril and Methodius Seminary in Orchard Lake, as well as part-time music director and organist at Old St. Mary's Church in Greektown. Once a month, Wasim leads the faithful in singing First Friday devotions in the Latin Mass at Old St. Mary's, where Gregorian chant gives the basilica-like church an almost otherworldly atmosphere. I would say when you hear Gregorian chant into a holy space, you're going to feel like you're in a little piece of heaven on earth. You're feeling that there's this, uh, these melodies that are continuously moving, uh, crescendos and decrescendos, and uh, moving with... The, the, the whatever language you're singing, if it's Latin, which is the language of the Roman Church, that you would hear those words uh, really come out, and the the accents of the words would come out the way these scholars put notes to them that would we call nooms in Gregorian chant, and they would go up and down in in a, in a really uh, intri- intricate way depending on the mode or the the mood of the style that they were uh, chanting. If you haven't picked up on this, Wasim can talk for hours about Gregorian chant. And he often does, giving workshops on chant to newbies and veterans alike. Chant, you might say, is the primordial musical language of the church, a musical style that predates even the church itself, having been used by the Hebrews before the time of Christ. Gregorian chant, so named because of Pope St. Gregory the Great's efforts to enhance and popularize the tradition in the 6th century, is perhaps different than other liturgical musical settings in that it's not limited to hymns or songs. The Mass itself can be chanted, Wasim says. And it just it accents the prayer or the phrase of the prayer. If the, if the chant can, can take that one word, for instance, our Father who art in heaven, and, we, and if the chant is, is uh, highlighting Father, that word can continuously, maybe for five, six, seven, eight seconds, saying the word Father, but in the, in the proper way uh, with the, the notes going up and down, um, it would really give you a chance to meditate uh, in a special way on that word. Chance is growing in popularity, Wasim says, and it's not hard to see why. Done well, Chant has a way of transporting a person into a whole other realm with God, and even making converts. I myself was converted, uh, even though I was raised a Catholic, uh, uh, you know, as a little child, and, and stopped going to church for a while in my teen years. Uh, stepping into a church that had Gregorian chant for the first time at Christmas time, because you know, family wanted me to go to church. Uh, and we went to this uh, particular church that had Gregorian chant. It was the first time that I 
heard the, uh, this type of well-done chant, that really um, pushed me to almost tears. And I right away said, this is it. This is what I've been longing for. It's like my soul was longing for chant. So when does that longing become belonging? If chant is something of a universal language in church music, it must be acknowledged that verbal language also makes a big difference in engaging participants in the Mass. I am uh, very blessed to be at, at Holy Family in Novi where all kinds of wonderful things are happening. This is Santiago Fernandez, director of sacred music at the Church of the Holy Family in Novi, one of the largest multicultural parishes in the Archdiocese of Detroit. We are a, a, a parish where where the Holy Spirit is, is really uh, taking us in, in, in new directions and, and uh, we are experiencing some amazing things happening. Worship is very powerful at Holy Family. We do all kinds of things. We do traditional hymnody, we do contemporary music, we do praise and worship music. And one thing that is really unique about about Holy Family is how we've come together as a unified community. Holy Family has a large and growing Hispanic community but it truly is multicultural. The parish has both English and Spanish masses, vibrant ministries in both languages, and a liturgical musical style that reflects the parish's vibrant diversity. There's a in God's mercy. What's important though, isn't that the parish has hymns in both languages, but that it celebrates both languages and cultures together. Santiago says. And, and it's been interwoven beautifully in the life of the parish, into the life of the parish. It is, it is the first parish where I've been in my years of ministry where people ask for more bilingual masses. It's really incredible. Because a bilingual mass, you know, can be challenging. It can end up alienating people because they inevitably feel a little bit left out. So we, if you, we can manage to, to kind of... Uh, convince people in, 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 a, in, a, in a pastoral way, in, in a sensitive way, that it's better to be together, no matter what. That even if you miss out on a little bit of the Mass, that means that someone else is being welcomed at that specific moment of the liturgy. And at Holy Family, that happens seamlessly. It happens just uh, organically. It's, it's a beautiful thing. We, we, we sing together, and people try to sing in the opposite language, and, and they give it their best shot, and it's just a beautiful messy sound sometimes. It's great. The largest portion of Metro Detroit's Hispanic population has Mexican roots, Santiago says, and the musical style at Holy Family reflects the traditions of the Mexican culture. In other American dioceses, Caribbean or Central American cultures influence the liturgical music. But in order for any such enculturation to be successful, Santiago says, it must be done with an eye toward truly praying as a community of believers lifting up oneself and one's neighbor to the Father. That's important to, to keep in mind, you know, uh, that those styles are preserved in these parishes because that's what people connect with. That's the voice of the people that want to lift it up in prayer and song. At Holy Family, Catholic isn't just a name on the sign. It's a place where the church's universality truly shines through, Santiago says. Pastorally, musically, spiritually, it all comes into play. You know, it's, it's, it's a whole culture of, of welcoming and hospitality and openness and sacrificial uh, hospitality, which is different than just welcoming someone and saying, hi, how are you? Welcome to our parish. Sacrificial hospitality is 
I am going to let go of some of what makes me comfortable so that you're comfortable, so that your music can be sung at mass, so that your culture can be honored and, and represented. It's not always easy, but when you do it and when people feel like they are contributing, like they're a part of this wonderful tapestry of, of Paris life, then, then it's like everybody gets it. Then it's crystal clear that the sacrifice is worth it that the effort is, is worth it, you know? And that's one of the things that I'm really proud of at Holy Family. We can, we can see that uh, playing out, you know, uh, every, every week. There are cultures all over the world that build up the church's musical heritage. But there's also a culture right here in Detroit. I come from a musical family. I come from a religious family and, and I come from a Catholic family. And so we were always uh, involved in music and always involved in the church. There was just, that was just our way of life. So uh, I didn't come into it, I was already in. <laughs> Keir Ward is a Detroiter through and through. A child of the city's Motown and gospel musical bona fides, Keir got his start as a teenager playing piano at St. Cecilia Parish on Detroit's northwest side. At age 16, he became the youngest music minister in the archdiocese when he accepted the role at Epiphany Parish. Since then, Keir has been all over the city, including at St. Leo, where in 1990 he wrote and composed a mass for praise inspired by the West Side Church's African-American heritage. Today, Keir is minister of music at Sacred Heart Parish near Midtown where gospel music, Afro-spirituals, and upbeat praise are part of what's a quintessentially Motor City Catholic worship experience. You just have to hear it. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Our music is Holy Spirit filled. Uh, it is authentically representing the culture of the uh, people there and and uh, keeping in lines with Catholic tradition. We also do spirituals. Like I said, we also do uh, the traditional Catholic hymns. And uh, yeah, we, we, we do everything, to, to put it in a nutshell. <laughs> we, from anthems to choral pieces to congregational singing, which is what we mostly do. But it's, yeah, of a gospel style, uh, mostly. But we... we we do everything there. While gospel-style singing is more historically associated with black Protestant worship services, as a lifelong Catholic, Kier is passionate that the style transcends denominational boundaries. I believe that the music that we do there, yes, yeah, speaks directly to the culture of our parish. I believe it feeds the souls of the people that are there. Um, they are in tune with it. They connect with it. They and they interact. We have a singing congregation there at Sacred Heart. So, um, yeah, I just say it, it speaks to them, to their culture, and speaks to their soul. There's a deep history behind gospel music, Kier says, one that has a powerful meaning for the black community. Gospel music all comes from the Negro spiritual. Started with the Negro spiritual, uh, the slaves, that sang the songs as they worked here in 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 the fields uh songs that gave them hope songs that that uh 
helped them make it through what was an uh, awful, awful, awful situation. Uh, and uh, these songs were their life. And uh, of that was born uh, all of, all of the African American music, the jazz, the blues, the uh, 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 and and definitely gospel. In the summer of 2017, Detroit Archbishop Alan H. Vigneron commissioned Keir to write what came to be known as the Gospel Mass of the Sacred Heart, which he performed for the first time in January 2018 at the Cathedral of the Most Blessed Sacrament. It was a profound moment of racial and spiritual unity in a city where racial tension, violence, and animosity, even within the church, have an unfortunate history. But for Kier, what's most important about gospel music isn't its cultural significance, as profound as that is, but in the way it helps people to pray. I've had people tell me after service how, how uh, much it enriched their their uh, praying experience and their whole mass experience altogether, and uh, that has been in the African American church and also in other churches that where they are not predominantly African American. It's so rich in in spirit and rich in. Uh, when you hear it sung, you can hear, you can hear the struggle, you can hear the pain, but you can also hear the hope and you can hear the joy. And so, like I said, it's, I, I can, I can, you just have to hear it to explain it. You have to hear it and feel it to really, to really get it. From the soulful, meaning-packed lyrics of gospel to the enthusiasm of modern praise and worship, Sacred music is unique in that each style means something different to each person. That's what got Josh Ross involved in the liturgical music scene as a young boy. I know when I was uh, a senior in high school, I was exposed to more contemporary music in mass. Uh, and that, that's really what, what got me excited about a new type of worship, is, is worshiping in the praise and worship style. Growing up, Josh experienced a wide variety of liturgical music developing an appreciation for the Catholic liturgy and how it differed from Protestant approaches to music. Seeing his sister take piano lessons as a child piqued his interest in learning to play instruments. And at 13 years old, Josh was invited to join a band playing masses at Holy Name Parish in Birmingham. Josh had experienced other types of music. For instance, traditional choral and organ music played in what he calls a, quote, cathedral-style setting, and he came to appreciate them. But the infectious energy of full-throated praise and worship captivated the young Josh's heart in a way he hadn't experienced before. I don't think it was just the style itself, but the fact that it was done with excellence and with passion and enthusiasm. I think a lot of times growing up, I'd been exposed to music being played in a ho-hum, somewhat boring way, and that was, you know, relatively uninspiring. And... There, there's a way to sing a song where it just, you're singing the song, and there's a way to sing the song that shows that you mean it, you believe what you're singing about. Today, Josh is the music minister at St. Anastasia Parish in Troy, where every week he leads a young adult-inspired liturgy filled with lively, contemporary music led by a band and young adult choir. Some of the hymns are adapted from popular Christian hits, 
Think Matt Redman's 10,000 Reasons, while others are songs Josh has written himself. While the band includes guitars and drums, Josh is quick to point out that he's not there to entertain, but to evangelize. And contemporary music just connects with some people, he says. I have to be mindful that my job as the music director is to lead the people who are actually there in the pews into worship. And if the music that I'm playing at mass hinders their worship, if it makes it more difficult for them to enter in, if it's distracting them from the mass, then I'm not really doing my job effectively. And it's funny because, you know, on the flip side, there are those that feel that the drums have no place in, in, in church or in mass. And then there's, there's people on the other side where when they hear the, the contemporary music, it lifts their soul. And when they hear the organ, they, they just can't stand it. It's, the, the organ is too loud for them or it's distracting or they just, when they, when they hear just traditional hymns, they think about when they were a kid and being forced to sit in church and being bored out of their mind. So it's interesting that I think the music, it, it goes beyond just what's being played. I, I believe that it has an emotional impact on people that affects their ability to enter into the worship. So I actually do believe that the music is of paramount importance. Um, and from a pastoral perspective, I don't look at just as I'm just a musician. I look at my role as very pastoral. Like part of my job is to really care about the people who are in the pews, to care about the parishioners, and to know what their needs are, and to see how can I choose and play the music in such a way that can help them enter in to the mass and be there fully and to participate and to encounter Jesus through the mass. No, Jesus didn't play the drums, Josh admits. But instruments of all kinds have been used to praise God going back to biblical times, from harps and lyres to trumpets, tambourines, and cymbals. It's not for everyone, Josh recognizes. While the young adult mass at St. Anastasia features lively contemporary music, the parish also offers liturgies with more traditional hymns and music. There is a place for both, Josh insists, because evangelization is all about meeting people where they are. I don't look at my role as just being a musician. I look at it as being pastoral in nature. And what I mean by that is my goal is not just that people come and are spectators and they're like, oh, I like the music at Mass. Like, that's, that's nice. But I want people to, to, one, to be able to worship through the music and that, that that leads them closer to Christ. And maybe even people who were on the fence about even coming to church, them hearing from another friend that, oh, the music is good here, that they can come and that the music might lead them one step further. If faith-filled music can draw a person back to church, Susan Lindquist believes it can keep them there in the first place. I'll share a quote with you um, from Dee Coddington. It says, uh, the fact that children can make beautiful music is less significant than the fact that music can make beautiful children. That's just in general. Exposing a child to beauty will shape their soul. The thing about teaching kids is, they don't have a preferred musical style, Susan says. They're just excited to sing. And maybe we can learn something from that. I think kids are open books, and um, in general, they're going to love what we love. But um, having a history in music education, particularly in sacred music, I think it's our obligation to teach them all styles, music of all styles, music reflective of all periods of music history. And literally, what I think our goal is ultimately, whether it be a Catholic school uh, music education program or the choir program at the cathedral, is we are enabling them to take their rightful place 
at the most important gathering of the church, which is our uh, Holy Mass. The kids Susan teaches love contemporary hymns. They also love gospel and Gregorian chant. They love learning Latin and Spanish and experimenting with different instruments. But mostly, they love learning about Jesus and worshiping him in song, Susan says. In studying sacred music, that you're actually led to an encounter with Christ. Um, as you apply that and you use it within the church year, you're developing an understanding of not only the liturgy itself, um, but you're also learning the church year. You're learning the seasons. Um, you're learning a variety of ways to worship. And by doing that, it, you're making it part of the child. So you're literally fostering their faith. We're giving them the tools of a lifetime. Um, I think in all cases, um, we have to give a child a place to belong. We have to give them something to do, and then we have to value them. And then we will have partnered with them forever. That being said, we are, we are, the, the children are the church. And what we do or we choose not to do right now is going to foster the development of the church. If sacred music has any place in the church, that's its purpose. People like Susan see it. Josh sees it. Santiago sees it. Wasim sees it. And Kier sees it. Even if they all see it differently. But most importantly, those who need God in vulnerable moments when everything seems wrong, they see it. Here's Kier again. I'll tell you a story. There was a lady who was sitting in church. This was years ago. And uh, she sat there and she she was, well, she knelt in the, on the kneeler and she was in prayer. She was in prayer and then she sat back up and she just had just the blankest look on her face and it just looked like she was just out of sorts and just didn't know which way to go, which way to turn. Uh, this is you know, before Mass is starting, but then we go into Mass and we start to sing the song that particular Sunday. It was an old gospel song, Kier said. God has smiled on me. She started to, she started to think about all of the things in her life that she could be thankful for. And she told us that, uh, you know, she was just always thinking about things that were going wrong in her life, things that were going bad in her life. And then we sang, God has smiled on me. And she realized that God is smiling her on her, even through her bad situations, even through her ups and downs. And she was able to have a different look at things. And she, like I said, she said she started to be thankful and she just started saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all of the things that you all of my blessings. You blessed me with life, health, and, and strength. You blessed me to see this beautiful day that you have made. And uh, I just, I just know that our sacred music does have an impact on people's lives. He who sings prays twice, or rather, he who sings well prays twice. See, it's not about the quality of the singing, but the quality of the heart that's doing the singing. That's why Susan teaches kids to love music, so they can love God, so we can make it to that place where we're all finally singing in one great, off-key, beautiful voice, heaven. Number one focus was always be that they grow closer to our Lord and making it home, that we'll all make it home someday and we'll have a grand choir. <laughs> 
when we're all reunited again um, with our Lord. That would be the ultimate goal. Detroit Stories is a production of Detroit Catholic and the Communications Department of the Archdiocese of Detroit. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of Detroit Stories is brought to you by our friends at Alliance Catholic Credit Union. For over 60 years, Alliance Catholic Credit Union has provided Catholics in Michigan with trusted financial services inspired by Catholic values. When you join Alliance Catholic Credit Union, you become a member of a financial institution that supports Catholic education, Catholic charities, and Catholic parishes around the state. Visit AllianceCatholic.com and join online today.